Welcome to At Home and Abroad with Harrison Walker. Join us each week as we explore the far reaches of the globe in search of unique characters and stories to share. Reach beyond your front door as we uncover new perspectives, intriguing ideas, and lessons learned over time. Let's jump in. These can be difficult times to navigate financially. Budgets are tight, discretionary spending is a thing of memories for most, and dollars must do double duty to make ends meet. And as we all know, money does not grow on trees. So how do we balance the household books when our income is not matching the rising cost of goods? Discover tips and tricks with economizing expert Ashley Barnes, a crackerjack couponer and greenback guru who shares her money-saving wisdom with us. So let's bring home the bacon and talk about the mystery of saving money. So Harris, do you consider yourself to be thrifty? Uh, I'm not really a big spender, but I'm also not a big saver. I'm kind of in the gray zone. (laughs) What about you, Walker? (laughs) Well, you know what? I could say the same about me, but I would also say that there are very few sales I didn't like. Yeah, well, this tells me everything I need to know about you. (laughs) There are many ways to describe people who are careful with their money, but there are differences between thrifty, frugal, stingy, and cheap. Most definitely. That's like an escalating (laughs) continuum from practical to a little unpleasant. Exactly. Thrifty people save money by making do with what they have, buying secondhand or reusing or repurposing things. Well, I connect with that. Mm -hmm. Why buy new when you can work with what you have? It is certainly right on trend, as this is the environmentally friendly and more socially conscious way to live. I agree. Frugal takes one step further. Frugal people are focused on making sure that they get the best value for their money. These are people who live simply and economically. They save money, but not at the expense of good value. Being frugal is considered a positive personality trait to possess. Well, that sounds reasonable. Throwing around your money is a bit crass and just seems a little (laughs) bit too flash to me. I agree. Now let's talk stingy. Stingy people hang on to their money to the point of negatively affecting other people. It kind of strikes me as the opposite of generous. Yeah, it brings to mind Ebenezer Scrooge. Exactly. But he could also have been cheap. Cheap people are concerned about cost savings without taking into account other factors like quality at all costs. Again, not such a nice quality to possess. Okay, so with all of that now clarified, I would say I'm leaning toward thrifty. Yeah, I can attest to the fact that you are not stingy or cheap. Yeah, thanks, Walker. I can definitely say the same thing about you. And I'm frankly not a big fan of the stingy and cheap. Yeah, as I've gotten older, I've come to realize that I have a lot of stuff. More than I need, that is for sure. I'm not a minimalist by any means, but I am at the point where I'm trying to donate more than I acquire. I certainly wouldn't buy something just because it's on sale. Mind you, I have been known in the past to say it isn't what it costs, it's what we saved. Wow, I haven't heard that (laughs) saying in a long time. I know. Today, though, I would have to need something or really, really want it before I buy it. And I absolutely despise paying full price for things like, you know, necessities like shampoo and toothpaste, etc. I know. I'm totally with you, Walker, especially these days when everything seems to cost an absolute fortune. I was just in the pharmacy and I saw hand soap, hand soap for $13.99. In the pharmacy, no less. Yeah. It wasn't a boutique store. No. 
It was just run of the mill. I almost collapsed in shock. Yeah, that's a little nuts. But when it comes to services though, Harris, services provided by people, I will always pay full price and would never ask for a discount. I just can't. I wouldn't. I value people's time too much. Yeah, we are definitely on the same page in this respect. Maybe this is because we are service providers ourselves, Mm -hmm. Walker. Mm -hmm. While buying in bulk is generally considered to be a way of saving money, do you do this? I used to have a Costco membership, but I swiftly realized two things. I did not have the storage space Mm -hmm. for their big and bulky items, and I was buying a lot more than I actually need. So I don't have a membership anymore but I'm reconsidering it at the moment. Yeah. I don't typically buy in bulk because I don't go through products fast enough for the product to maintain its freshness. I do like the idea of stocking up my pantry in advance of a big winter storm or a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. I was pretty prepared for the pandemic. Yes, you were. (laughs) We call it the panic pantry in our house. And we call it that now because of you. Okay. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) Do you still have a panic pantry? Yeah, we do. Oh, yeah. We actually still have things that, that I purchased during the pandemic. Oh, I think we do too. (laughs) But I sent my husband out to get some panic pantry items and he came back with some of the weirdest things. (laughs) Like a huge bag of soybeans. I'm really not sure what to do with those. But (laughs) anyway, maybe I'll find a use for them. It's kind of like that show Doomsday Preppers. Have you ever seen that show? No. Okay. So people- Oh, that's a show for me. Uh, No. Okay. (laughs) You're going to get too many kooky ideas. But these people had entire rooms- filled with things that they could live there for like two years, all hunkered down. You're giving me ideas here. Always be prepared, Harris, always. You got it. There are so many ways to practice cost savings though. Personally, I am always trying to shave off a little here and a little there because it all adds up. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. So growing up, were your parents savers or spenders? Mm, I think a little bit of both, probably more spenders than savers, but I think they used to take advantage advantage of sales if they could. My mom used to go absolutely crazy at Christmas buying gifts, but my parents didn't really buy us stuff throughout the year. Mm. There weren't a lot of major impulse purchases. Gifts were given at birthday and Christmas celebrations, but it was big. Yeah, same in our house. Christmas was massive. It was a big deal. It was the best. (laughs) I know. I miss that. I know. It's funny though. I do remember my parents seldom buying Kleenex. Really? Kleenex? I know. Yes. I know. I think I think we just thought that it wasn't worth buying if you had bathroom tissue, if you had a cold, right? Yeah, well, it's essentially the same thing, right? (laughs) Right, and another funny thing is I remember never really having paper towels in the house either. It wasn't that our family was eco-conscious in the 70s, but I do remember that when I saw paper towels in the house, there was a good chance that company was coming to stay. I still say that. Like, I remember this now and tell my mom that. And she's like, what? Really? That's hilarious. Total opposite from my parents. My dad probably has about, I don't know, 30 rolls of paper towel in his house as we speak. They had a proper pantry in the basement. Its own little room. And there were multiples of everything like jam or peanut butter or soup, everything, garbage bags. It was so well stocked and it actually served as my little free grocery store when I was in university. Yeah, it was awesome. A little mini mart. Yeah, it was amazing. (laughs) Now, did your family cut coupons? 
Not that I can remember. Well, I can remember lots of people cutting coupons in the 70s. It was actually a really fun thing to do. Watch out for them in the magazines and newspapers and labels on products like the back of your cereal boxes. Oh, right. Yeah, cut them out, store them in a wallet, maybe by category if you're really organized. And then forget your wallet at home every time you went grocery shopping. That's exactly what we did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't say that we were super organized money-saving people. We clearly had a lot to learn and saving money is something that we can all do a little bit more of. That's for sure. We have the great fortune to speak with social media sensation and money-saving expert, Ashley Barnes. Ashley is a couponer extraordinaire who shares her skills and daily deals with thousands on TikTok and Instagram. Welcome, Ashley. Thank you so much for joining us today at At Home and Abroad. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. I can't wait to learn more from you today. Saving money is a very relevant top of mind topic today, probably now more than ever. Your popularity on social media is very good evidence of this. So why did you feel that it was important to share your money saving ideas with the public? Yeah. So I actually, I never used to be a couponer. And so once I learned it and I learned how easy it was to save money, I was like, why are more people not doing this? Why is this not taught in schools? You know? And so, um, with all of that in mind, I'm like, I need to, I need to tell people about this. And TikTok was a huge thing that started during COVID, which is when I started couponing. So I was like, you know, let me, let me start there. And it just kind of took off from there. I can't believe how many followers you have. You have close to 170,000, at least on Instagram. I don't know how many on TikTok. So clearly your work is resonating with people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They need your tips and tricks. Yeah, with inflation and everything, everybody's looking for an easy way to save money. So yeah, it's been been crazy. (laughs) Wonderful. So have you always been interested in finding methods to save money? Or how did this passion of yours develop? I haven't actually for like my whole (laughs) life up until the last like three years, I have always paid full price. Um, So it actually started during COVID. COVID hit and then, you know, it all got shut down. We all had to stay home. And then like the first time that we were all allowed to go back into the stores, I remember going to do our normal grocery shopping like usual and I got everything we needed, you know, our essentials, toilet paper, everything like that. And I remember like, as I was checking out, I'm like, why is the total so much higher than what it typically is? At the time, I was just like, you know, get in and get out. I had my kids with me. So I got into the car and I'm looking at my receipt and I'm like, why is the toilet paper that I typically get like $16.99 now? Like it used to be $11, $12. Yeah. What is going on? And so, you know, after that, I was just like, man, is this like the effects of everything that's going on? And I, I just wanted to find a way to save money. And coincidentally, a week or so later, I downloaded TikTok because that's the thing everybody was doing during COVID. And I saw a couponer talking about saving money. That was like one of the first videos that popped up on TikTok. And then from there, I was just like, let me learn more about this. And then I learned that there's a whole coupon community out there dedicated to teaching people how to save money and just sharing deals. And it just spiraled from there. Well, your social media, Ashley, is very practical and step by step. And it sounds like as you've been teaching people, you've been learning as well. If you said you just sort of really started getting into it since COVID. Have you ever heard feedback from your followers about the impact that you're having on their lives? Because I imagine it has to be tremendous. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when I started, I actually couponed for a year before I began sharing because I wanted to like make sure that I was comfortable enough to share and not lead people like, you know, in the wrong direction. And so once I started sharing just the amount of people that would tell me like, oh my God, you have helped me save so much money. It was just crazy to me that it had this much of an impact. And the more I do it, you know, I get these comments daily and it just still like boggles my mind, the amount of people I've been able to help save money. But like, that was my whole goal from the beginning. So it makes my heart so happy that I'm able to do that for people. I bet. I bet because it's life-changing, right? For families, what you can shave off here and shave off there gets redirected to something else, something very important that people need. That is like a perfect point. And what I try to teach people, because, you know, some people look at it and they'll be like, oh no, it's just a few dollars. Well, it all adds up. And then you have that money, that extra money to take and go spend it on things that you may not have the money to spend it on. And that's the whole point. So does your passion for thriftiness go beyond couponing? For instance, do you buy previously loved clothing or is it mainly the coupons? Yeah. So yes and no. I would say more no for me. I know that there are people that do it, but Going back to our last point, I want to save money on my everyday essentials to put more money back in my pocket to buy the things that I want, buy the clothes that I want, buy whatever it is in my house that I want, and to have, you know, more money to do that or to go on vacation. So there are times where like, if we do go on a vacation, of course, I'm going to try and find the best deal that's out there and use the best apps for it. But as far as buying clothes from a thrift shop, occasionally I'll do it. So your kids and extended family must love this. I mean, if you can redirect all the savings towards vacations that they wouldn't otherwise have. Yes. Yep. Yep. (laughs) For sure. I mean, I was able to take a trip to Disney with my kids over Thanksgiving and you know, Disney's expensive. Well, (laughs) I was going to say it is not inexpensive at all. A friend of mine just came back and I was shocked. I haven't been in a few years, so I was absolutely shocked what three kids cost to take. It's a pretty penny. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. So what do you think that the average family might be overlooking in terms of how they could be saving money? Yeah. So the most common thing that I get of people saying is like, I never knew that digital coupons existed. And honestly, like I, I didn't know that either until I started couponing because people have the perception of couponing like on the extreme couponing show that you saw on TLC. I promise you it is nothing like that. Like the whole coupon community, I I can't tell you anybody that goes to the store to buy 500 cans of corn. Like that just doesn't happen like on the TLC (laughs) show. It's, it's more practical for families to do these days because a lot of the stores that you're shopping at, like Walgreens, CVS, Target, Kroger, if you have a Kroger or Kroger affiliate, they all have their own apps. Okay. And the app are digital coupons. And you literally just clip those coupons and your phone number at checkout and you're saving money. And it's just so overlooked because people don't know about it. It's not oftentimes advertised. I mean, I had no idea that could even save money at Walgreens and CVS, but those are one of the two places that I saved the most money at. And I know people look at that place and they're like, why would I go into CVS and buy my essentials there? Because it's already so highly priced there. Okay. But the coupons and the reward system there, I mean, I've walked out of CVS paying nothing for tons of product before wow. because it's it's that easy to do. I was talking to Heather before this interview and you know, we were <laughs> we were thinking back to our couponing experience, <laughs> particularly <laughs> when we were younger and it was all about paper and yeah. I'm not 100% sure 
how popular. I don't think couponing is as popular in Canada as it may be in the United States. Yeah. But uh, you know what? I'm just wondering, like when you go into a store, let's say Target, for example, I'm just going to throw it out there. Do you check to see if there's an app for it? Or do you go into the store and ask somebody at the store there? Like, I'm just wondering about that process. Really, I learned about it from the coupon community. So the biggest thing, like if anybody wants to get into couponing, find people like me in the coupon community and follow us. We tell you everything. We tell you where to find the apps, where to find the ads and the coupons and the deals. But yeah, I mean, the biggest thing I would tell anybody that wants to start is if you're shopping at a store, check in your app store in your phone and see if they have an application for that store. Download it, see if they have any savings tab or digital coupon tab and kind of go from there. Because like you said, you know, paper coupons, they're still around, but they're kind of a thing of the past. I mean, people still use them, but digital coupons, I mean, it's 2023. That's where it's at right now. And a lot of people don't know about it. Well, a lot of people forget their paper coupons at home too, right? (laughs) That too, that too. Seldom do we forget our phones at home. They're glued to us. Right, exactly. It's it's in your palm almost all the time, right? Well, sounds like everybody needs a mentor. And from what I can see from your TikTok and Instagram, you are the perfect mentor for all of us, Ashley. Oh, well, thank you. I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with us today at At Home and Abroad. For our listeners, you can find Ashley and all her money-saving tips, and I'm telling you there are many of them <laughs> on TikTok and Instagram at, at coupon with Ashley B. Thanks so much, Ashley. Thank you. Well, I clearly have so much more money saving potential that I could be tapping into, Walker. Well, I was thinking the same thing. This may be the most practical episode we have produced yet. Yeah, it may be. I think people have the impression that the thriftiest people out there are those who grew up in the Depression era, those raised by Depression era parents. Right. So many money-saving tricks came out of those decades. I came across this great little site online called Lemon Zest and Basil, where you can find some great recipes and ideas for frugal living. They describe some Depression-era money-saving tips, which still can be applied today. For instance, hold on to your pants there, Walker. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Meal planning. Uh, Does that sound new to you? It's not, but it's not just meal planning as we know it. It's planning your meals around what you already have instead of racing to the grocery store. I did that last night, actually. Did you really? Yes, What did did you make? Uh, Good question. I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we made uh, tuna melts and broccoli. Yummy. (laughs) And I had a white bean, so I made a white bean and tuna salad for the side for me. That's very healthy and delicious. (laughs) The internet is really helpful, I find, in meal planning. If I have like a rutabaga, some provolone, and oat milk in the fridge, I can just plug those ingredients in the search bar and Google it, find a recipe. I'm not eating that, Harris. Just oh. <laughs> just letting you know that. Okay. But menu planning is so important. Not only is it a benefit to our pocketbooks, but also to the reduction of food waste. Yeah. So besides your sad ingredients, what should we have in our pantry for cost-effective meal planning? Well, I'm very glad you asked, though slightly insulted about my rutabaga provolone <laughs> oat milk extravaganza. Keeping dry goods like rice, beans, potatoes, and flour in your cupboard is a very good idea. The point is to always have some useful ingredients in your cupboard so you don't have to run out to the store last minute. 
This saves you time and energy, but it also keeps you from impulse buying unnecessary items when you visit the grocery store. It could even save you a little in gas if you don't have to make an extra trip. Yeah, with the cost of gas these days, that is very big potential for cost savings. Yeah, it is. So can you guess what the biggest cost culprit is when it comes to our food budget? Eating out or ordering in? You got it. Mm -hmm. According to Lemon Zest and Basel, eating out costs as much as 50% more than making a meal at home. Hmm. Depending on where you live, I would imagine that number is even higher. Yeah, I would say where we live, it is pretty steep. Mm -hmm. We just ordered Chinese the other night and it was about $24 an entree. Yeah. $24. So if you're feeding a family of five, which I am, you are not spending less than $100 for that one meal. Did you know that there are less expensive days though that you can grocery shop? So tell me about that, Harris. Well, Wednesday is said to be the best day to shop for several reasons. Hmm. It's the day typically when restocking happens and there are new promotions or sales. Surprisingly, the crowds are apparently smaller too, so less competition. And listen to this. If you're lucky, you might catch an overlapping sale on Wednesdays from one week to the next. So there might even be more to choose from. I am definitely changing my shopping habits. But I have two more nuggets of wisdom for you, Walker. I suspect you're going to tell me never to shop on an empty stomach and always make a list, right? Did you do all the research or something for this episode, Walker? (laughs) Just a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. A list is really good at keeping you on the straight and narrow and preventing the purchase of a whole bunch of junk that neither your body nor your bank account need. And also, shopping when you're hungry is never a good idea, and I speak from personal experience. Yeah, well, there's lots of ways to save money and make healthier food, like making your own salad dressing, less preservatives, and lower cost. And of course, growing your own food is always great. This was very common in the Depression and was a COVID craze too. Yeah, I was practically a vegetable farmer during the pandemic, Walker. It kept me busy, and there is a really beautiful thing about growing and eating your own food. I also love gardening and watching things grow. I find it therapeutic to put my hands in the soil, but it isn't everybody's cup of tea, is it? No, it really isn't. And neither is cooking. Some people are just not interested in the act of cooking a meal, but some find it a bit daunting. There are many blogs and websites that are dedicated to inexpensive and easy recipes, though. Often they use very few and easily obtained ingredients, so it's very accessible. And there are other ways to stretch your food budget dollars. One is to make sure you use your leftovers. That is something that I now do, though we were big eaters growing up and there weren't a lot of leftovers. Having raised a family over the past 18 years, though, I've come to realize that using leftovers reduces food waste and saves money. But as a mom, it saves me so much energy if I could reinvent what was left over from the night before. I actually love leftovers. Pizza definitely tastes way better the next day. Wouldn't you agree, Walker? Yes, but not pasta. No, pasta's gross. And salad. Oh, Salad does not keep. Lemon, zest, and basil also gives tips on stretching your meals with sides, like breads, potatoes, and rice. Or if you're going for a bigger nutritional punch, veggies, or low-cost proteins, like beans. Have you ever heard of a meat extender? No, what is that? It refers to adding breadcrumbs, crackers, and oatmeal to your meat, like when you make meatballs. These can make your meat go further and save you some money. Interesting. Okay, so while we're on the topic of extending and stretching our meals, 
What about best before and expiration dates on food? Okay, so this is often a point of debate in my house. My kids are legit scared to touch anything even remotely within range of the best before. But really, these are just suggestions and the food is often just fine for several days afterward. Yeah, I have had food poisoning from a delivered pizza probably 15 years ago. And I never, I mean never take chances with food since then. I wasn't responsible for the tainted pizza, but because that experience haunts me to this day, it is always in the back of my mind when I'm deciding whether to throw food out or not. Mm. We have an ongoing joke in our house about it because my husband is always trying to convince me that they are just suggested dates. Yeah, well, I have to say I'm siding with him on this (laughs) one, Walker. According to the Food Network in Canada, the best before date refers to the date when the product offers peak freshness, taste, and nutrition. It refers to the quality of the product, not safety. So I have to tell you a funny story about saving money. Okay, I'm all ears. Many, many years ago, I was listening to the CBC and they were discussing saving money. People were calling in with their stories of their best tips. Okay. One of the callers claimed that they had very little money in university to buy beer. When they could afford it, they needed to ensure that no one would dip into their supply at a party. They felt like they needed to protect it when they went to parties. So in order to ensure that no one would steal it, they bought Labatt's 50, which is not a popular brand among the uni kids back then. Right. And kept their beer on a heat register all night instead of putting it in the fridge. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be stealing that beer. <laughs> you don't like Guaranteed. Hot 50? <laughs> what? A warm Labatt 50, no less. Yuck, that seems extreme. Well, if you think that's gross, it was the other caller that day that was super cringy. This person was so strapped for cash that they would save the water that they boiled their hot dogs in and eat it the next day. They called it wiener water soup. Oh my God. That's, mm-hmm. that's a bit sad and probably the greasiest, grossest soup ever made. Yes, and I think about it all the time, actually. (laughs) It stuck with me as well. Just hot dogs alone (laughs) make me want to barf. I can see how that story would stick with you, Walker, and I'm not sure how I'm going to forget it either. (laughs) I'm sure there's got to be lots of crazy stories out there of people who have to make ends meet in creative ways. Absolutely. Necessity is the mother of invention. It certainly is. But some people are just really passionate about saving money and make it their life's work. We've seen these kind of people on those reality TV series, right? Like extreme couponing comes to mind. Right. It's a whole new level of cost cutting for sure. Yeah, it is. I once heard of a Google employee who lived in a truck in the company parking lot in order to save 90% of his income. He chose this lifestyle in order to save money to pay down his student loans And also save some cash to invest and travel. There was also this California writer who lived in his office cubicle. I'm not sure how that's allowed. (laughs) For a year and saved $20,000, which he used for travel. At least these two had their priorities, right? I mean, in my opinion, (laughs) nothing beats travel. Well, there are so many ways you can keep your money in your pocket. The Daily Mail printed that a survey of 1,000 Americans revealed that one-third of them admitted to attending an event just for the free food and drink. I'm not surprised by that at all. I actually did this a few times when I was a starving student. Every penny counts, right? But the interesting thing to note is that the same article highlighted the fact that the same number of people admitted to deciding against going to an event if they had to bring a bottle of wine to the hostess, for instance. Whoa, that is that 
cheap or stingy or both, Walker? (laughs) You would think that a cheap person would be able to see that even if they were expected to bring a bottle of wine, the cost might be offset by the free food that they would likely be served. Yeah, it would be interesting to dig into that a little bit further. Maybe the cheapy just can't bring themselves to give at all. Or maybe they're uncertain if they will get enough free food to make the gift worth it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Harris, my brain doesn't even go there. I could see not going if you couldn't afford the bottle of wine, but that's the only excuse. Yeah. While we're talking about free stuff, what about all the little things people like to pick up from hotels and restaurants? Mm. Toiletries and those little packs of condiments. I just read today a piece written by a restaurant owner who is pleading with their patrons not to steal the cutlery. Because there are real costs associated with these petty little thefts. Yeah, of course there is. For the record, I'm not a fork stealer. I (laughs) I don't even take the creamers or the little jams from restaurants. I used to date a guy whose mother did that. And my grandmother used to do that as well. The sugars. I think the sugars and the creamers. They claim that it was built into the cost of the meal. Now, I doubt that's true. I can remember being very embarrassed by it. Yeah. I love those little jams, though. I know. Those little peanuts. Oh, and the jars? Those little peanut butters. No, the oh, jars are super oh, cute, but even oh, those the little, little packets, pa- oh, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, from yeah. the 70s. I love those. Okay. So let's be real, though. When it comes to hotels, I love those little toiletries, and I always take them home. Though fewer hotels are putting out bottles of shampoo and conditioner and body lotion and the like, now in an attempt to be more eco-conscious, which of course is great, but I'm sure there is cost savings for them Mm -hmm. as well. But these little freebies are great, partially because when I take them home, it reminds me of the wonderful time I had on holiday. And they're also really good for the next time you need to travel because they're the right size. But I've never taken a hanger, a towel, a bathrobe. Nothing like that. They all stay behind. Yeah, I agree. According to the article in the Daily Mail I read, surprisingly, it is common for light bulbs to go missing from hotel rooms when guests check out. Pens are at the top of the list too. Okay, are you kidding me? Light bulbs? I get the pens. I do have a few (laughs) hotel pens. But light bulbs, that is the cheap and stingy at work again. That is going way too far. So when does a frugal person cross the line and become a cheap person? Well, it's a bit of a gray area, isn't it, Harris? I've come across those who say that they are frugal, but sometimes their behavior does affect other people negatively, whether Mm -hmm. or not they're aware of it. I used to work as a server in a restaurant throughout university. I used to hate it when I was assigned a large table. Inevitably, there would be three or four people at that table, you know, a table of 10 or 12, who through no fault of my own, left less than a standard tip because they likely thought that there were enough people at the table to pay and their stingy tip would go unnoticed. But I noticed. Uh, Yeah, of course you did. And I've been there. Yeah, and usually when you get a large table, that's your entire lunch service. You get one table. Yeah, exactly. Now, I've also run into those people who just can't seem to spend a dime, even when it means investing in the relationship in your life. I imagine this could cause a serious problem, particularly if one person is very guarded with their finances and the other wants to get out and about. Yeah, I bet you that's more common than we might think. Yeah, I can remember being a bit impatient with friends who were like this over the years. My father always said that being cheap was learned behavior. And if someone was like this, 
there was a pretty good chance their parents were too. Yeah, I think your dad was a wise guy. So what do we do if we are in a relationship with someone who's frugal to a fault? Well, Lisa Rowan wrote a great little article called How to Deal with a Cheap Friend. Ah. Great title, huh? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and she does offer some advice. First, she says, don't try to argue with them. You know, just just don't. When you do finally decide to discuss the fact that your friend doesn't pay their share, you need to be honest and very direct, but not confrontational. Okay. She also recommends that you can set some boundaries early and often. For example, if you're going out for dinner, taking a colleague or a friend out for birthday dinner, make sure the invitation states exactly what's expected in terms of paying for the bill, what portion of the birthday person's meal everyone is expected to pay, and even how payment will be expected to be paid. Do they need to bring cash, right? right. Mm-hmm. This ensures that there isn't any opportunity for more resentment to build. Okay. Also, it's best to avoid activities that bug you. If they never chip in to pay the tip, maybe you might save yourself some stress by not going out to do some of these activities mm-hmm. with this person. Make alternative plans which don't include activities that cost money. Sometimes you just have to reconsider your friendship. Ultimately, you have to determine whether the person is taking advantage of you and your generosity. Yes. And of course, these are tips are obviously recommended for managing relationships with those who simply are inflexible and stingy rather than those who are struggling financially. Yeah, of course. I have run into these types in my life and I have to say, I just don't get it. You would think that mainly older people might have this less flexible mindset about money, but the people I've encountered have actually been my own age. That being said, though, my kids would classify you and I as older people. (laughs) Shh. (laughs) But it isn't just middle-aged and seniors, is it? No. Actually, millennials are very cost-conscious, more so than you might think. This doesn't mean that they're cheap, but certainly it is a misnomer to think that younger generations do not know the value of a dollar. So maybe they lean more towards frugality. Yeah, I would say they are a fairly thrifty generation, especially as many of them are eco-conscious. I think that many believe that millennials are more frivolous with their money and that they don't save as much as other generations, but apparently this is just not the case. They are saving more money than other generations in respect to the percentage of their annual income Mm. that can be set aside. I had no idea. The USA Today stated that millennials lack the abundance of older generations, not because they aren't saving, they just aren't earning as much. The average salary of a U.S. millennial in 2017 was just over $35,000 annually, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and this was well below the national average of just over $44,000. This article goes on to say that given their lower salaries, high living costs, and high levels of student debt, it's impressive that millennials actually save a higher percentage of their paychecks than older generations. Myth-busting. Exactly. (laughs) Well, despite all the preconceived ideas about millennials and their spending habits, there is quite a bit of reporting as of late on the topic of Chinese millennials and Gen Z being the new ambassadors of the frugal lifestyle. I've come across quite a few articles on this topic. Yeah, me too. Money-saving social media sites are all the rage right now. One in particular called Money Savers has over 600,000 subscribers. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Despite the Chinese government trying to get people to spend more, the younger Chinese generation are focused on saving. This trend has been fueled by the fact that China's youth unemployment rate skyrocketed 20% last July, according to an article in Fortune magazine. 
One 25-year-old Shanghai resident claimed in the interview, at least a handful of good friends can't find a job or had to take a cut. Tough times for sure. So are there any interesting things that Chinese millennials and Gen Zers are doing beyond searching online for tips? Yeah, well, in fact, one 32-year-old influencer named Wang Shanai is pretty strict with her spending and takes the term frugal to new heights. Mm -hmm. She has claimed to have saved 90% of her salary over the last nine years. She's married with a child and owns two apartments, which is in itself quite remarkable, but it is said she's taken her frugality to an extreme. She wears clothes only given to her by friends. She doesn't dine out because this can be expensive and pays for public transportation with free coupons. That all really seems quite reasonable to me. However, she says, for some people, spending money makes them happy. For me, I don't feel happy at all. Instead, I feel nervous and anxious when spending money. In her life, there seems to be two camps. Those that support her and her lifestyle and think it's great that she has purchased property without relying on her parents. And then there are those that say that her extreme frugality should not be promoted as it's not really quite balanced. She's very clear though, Walker. She doesn't steal. She doesn't profit at the expense of others. And she does not judge those that are more frivolous with their money. She has a money-saving moral code. Well, that's reassuring. We are living in economically difficult times. So I'm sure that many are appreciating any advice they can help to stretch their income. But often our spending and saving habits are connected with our values and what we prioritize. Some of the latest statistics reveal that 78% of millennials value experiences over consumer goods, and that 69% felt that live experiences enabled them to better connect with friends, community, and people around the world. I would have to say that I agree with that. According to Jay Leonard, author of Why Millennials Value Experiences Not Stuff, he states that since younger consumers have more debt, fewer assets, and less job security than previous generations, they don't want to own as much and strongly desire flexibility. This has resulted in buying less, but still buying quality. The fact that younger generations are also more conscious of the health of our planet is also connected with what has been referred to as the experience economy. Mm, I like that term, experience economy. Mm -hmm. It makes good sense to me. You can hold on to good memories for a lifetime, but stuff? That, you just collect dust for a lifetime. Thank you for joining us at At Home and Abroad with your host, Harrison Walker. Subscribe to follow us each week as we continue the conversation. You can also say hi to us on Instagram at at Harrison Walker. We would love to hear from you. Mm-hmm.